The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. It's time to turn your site into a money-making machine. WebmasterRadio.fm presents The Shoe Money Show. Your host, Jeremy Shoemaker, covers all the angles from contextual advertising, affiliates, donations, subscription, direct sales, pay-per-click, and more. The Shoe Money Show will help you get the most revenue using various streams of income. Show me the money. Now, join your host as we bring on the bling. Give it up for Shoe Money. Hey everybody, welcome to the Shoe Money Show. For those who don't know, uh, today we're having Seth Godin on with me. And um, for those who don't know Seth, I guess a lot of you can go and look at his Wikipedia page and find out a lot about him. He started out as a very young entrepreneur, um, as early as 14 it says. Uh, And then at 16 founded a ski club and took a a lot of children to ski houses. Um, Seth, I'm just going to jump right in with you. So. You started out really, really early as an entrepreneur. I bet a lot of people don't know that. Well, I didn't feel like I had any choice. It was the natural thing for me to do. Uh, I certainly wasn't going to be able to join the soccer team. or what, Those, those ne- opportunities were not open to nerdy kids. And, uh, you know, I wanted to go skiing every Friday night, and no one was running a club like that, so I figured I'd start one. Awesome. And then you graduated um, from Tufts University with a degree in computer science and philosophy. Were you kind of always a natural student? Uh, actually, my English teacher wrote in my yearbook in high school that I was the bane of her existence and that I would never amount to anything. And wow. uh, the, the degree story is, I think, a useful one. I exploited a loophole in the Tufts catalog where I got a degree even though I never took more than three courses in any subject because wow. I wanted to learn as much as I could about as many topics as I could as opposed to learning the final detail on anything. Awesome. And then you went on to get an MBA from Stanford. Um, so did you then relocate west? Briefly. My goal has always been to end up west, and I have failed miserably at it. But I was in California for just over a year. Awesome. So is that, is that something that you still want to aspire? I mean, do you still want to migrate west? Well, I also want to have a full head of hair and be six foot two, but I'm not sure any of those things are going to happen anytime soon. Yeah, I hear you on the hair thing and um, and going west. I've always I've always wanted to. I thought it'd be really really neat to live in Silicon Valley and hang out with all those other people, some of my peers and stuff like that. But yet I find myself in Lincoln, Nebraska. So what are you going to do? Well, well right, you know the so- interesting thing about living out there is. The biggest advantage, the two biggest advantages are, number one, you don't have to explain to anybody what you do for a living, which is huge. And the second thing is the expectations. The expectations of the people around you are different. Um, in Kenya, they, uh, there's a, a company called Kickstart that sells a device for $79 that looks like a Stairmaster. And if you use it, uh, for two or three hours a day, you can irrigate one acre of land. And that's important wow. because the growing season in Kenya is only three months. But if you can irrigate, you can get three or four growing seasons in a year instead of one. And that means you can shift from being a subsistence farmer who's just barely feeding your family to making two or $3,000 a year, which makes you the richest person in town. 
And the fascinating thing about many of the villages, not all, but many of the villages in Kenya, is that if someone buys one of these devices, they don't tell anybody else in town. Because if you tell the other people in your village that you have this and that you're making money, what doesn't happen, which you would think would happen, what doesn't happen is everyone goes out and buys one because they could make it work too. What actually happens is first everyone comes to you for money, and then they wreck your machine. Because the expectation, the, 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 the village doesn't embrace the idea of one person racing in a different direction or racing ahead. And the village in Silicon Valley is the opposite, that the minute they hear somebody is doing something that works, the first thing they do is cheer them on and tell them to go faster. And the second thing they do is try to copy them and catch up. You know, I always thought it would be hard for me to live in Silicon Valley just when I've gone there for the TechCrunch Awards or other things like that, um, just because, I mean, those people seem to be, there's such a, a rat race, or, or not a rat race, but more of a, a competitive thing to who's getting more headlines and, and things like that. And I thought, man, you know, I could, I could actually see myself kind of getting caught up in that, the whole valley wag thing and all that stuff. And it's just well, kind of nice. I'm really glad you bring this up, Jeremy, because the, the Internet is surfacing something that I have never found very compelling, which is this idea that I call high school thinking. Uh, you know, they've always said the Academy Awards is nothing but high school but with money. And if we think back to our worst days in high school, it was always about who was the prettiest or who was on the football team, et cetera. And Valley Wag and some other things out west really try to emphasize that and make money by touching our inner high school. And, in fact, that's not the best of what you find in Mountain View or any other parts of Silicon Valley. Uh, the, the people who actually are spending their time playing the high school game may be loud online, but it doesn't really fill the day of most of the people who are doing the good work. Well, that's, that's definitely refreshing because <laughs> sure it's a little crazy out there um, with some of those things. And So I wanted to get more into... Um, some of your books and, and stuff like that, I know certainly, uh, well, just to let some of our listeners know, I originally wrote Seth about, uh, it's been quite a while now, and, I, and I, it was more a, an email for me than for him, and I, and I went on and on and on about, you know, the various books and how exactly they impacted my life and, and things like that. And, and I didn't, and I think at the beginning I even said, you know, this email is more for me than it is for you, really, to get this stuff off my chest, and I understand if you don't have time to read it or respond. And you responded like, I think I wrote the email in the airport, I sent it, and by the time I landed, you had already responded, and I, and I showed, like, everyone around me, I was like, oh my gosh, look at this, Seth Godin responded to me, and I've told that story to a bunch of people, and they said, yeah, yeah, you responded to me too, and, and me too, and, and I think that's fascinating that not only are you this, this brilliant marketer, and you talk the talk and everything, but every time I brought your name up to somebody, they've corresponded with you, and, and you've gotten right back to them. I, I just think that's fascinating how you've reached out to people and, and responded to them. Well, you know, you could describe it as marketing by emailing every single person in America one person at a time, but that's not really why I do it. Um, if someone's going to take the time to read my book, I'd like to be able to thank them. And if someone's going to take the time to read my book and write to me, then I am so thrilled and so touched that it's the very least I can do um, to engage with them. It's the favorite part of my day. It's now taking more than half my day to do it, and I'm glad to do it because um, – that's my job. That's my role. That's what I really love to do is figure out how to give people tools to help them articulate stuff they've already known. 
You know, I, um, I often get classified um, as an affiliate marketer or a search engine optimizer or this or this or this, just, you know, a different million ways. And, you know, really all I feel that I am is I feel like I just try to build services that add, uh, well, value, but, but just, you know, that, that are needed, needed services that the world wants. Um, do, you, do you ever get frustrated that you're thrown into all these different labels and categories? Well, you know, the way the human brain works is you're either in a category or you don't exist, um, that we're unable to keep track of people or things or ideas without putting them into a category in our head. And what smart marketers do is they pick the category. And if you pick the category and tell people ahead of time what the category is, then you're more likely to end up in the category you want. So, you know, certainly Donald Trump has invented a category for himself, but he's been very clear and consistent and articulate as to what that category is. And he has never pretended or acted like he's in a different category. Um, so there are times when people choose to miscategorize where I belong and what my work is. But I don't really sweat that because if I keep doing the work that I want to do and the way I want to do it, eventually I think I'll end up in the category that I want to be in um, as opposed to uh, nowhere, which is the worst spot, or miscategorized, which is no fun either. Okay. Well, I, I, it's interesting you brought up Donald Trump. I, I've read pretty much all of his books or listened to him on audio, and I think they're, they're pretty fascinating and, and, and motivating as well. And I think a lot of people write him off, you know, because they just see his TV personality and don't, you know, read into the message in some of his books, and I think they're fascinating. Um, so just jumping into more, more of your things, um, so what made you, uh, jumping over to Squidoo, if you don't mind, what made you start Squidoo, and, and what's, what's the whole idea behind the lens? Okay, well, first let me explain what it is because most people haven't used it. Uh, Squidoo is the largest website in the world that lets people build a single page for free about a topic that they're interested in, um, and then they can earn money for charity from that page or if they want to keep the money. And so it's a little like a blog, but instead of having to update it every single day or every week, you can make a, to a page on one topic. Um, you know, these are the best laser printers for the money, and teach people your point of view. Uh, and then it sits there and earns money for you or for charity every day. The reason I started it was, um, you know, I sold my last company to Yahoo about 10 years ago uh, and swore I wouldn't do it again because I'd done it once and I didn't need to do it again in terms of proving anything or having the experience. Uh, but I found that there were some people around me that I really wanted to work with. And if I didn't have a project, I wasn't going to be able to get their attention or time. And the second thing was that I discovered that the typical American gives zero dollars every year to charity. That's a zero with a Z. And that really bothered me because charity isn't for rich people. The act of giving money to a worthwhile charity that you are not uh, connected to necessarily because it's your church or something um, is, a, is a feeling that I think a lot of people would enjoy feeling if they could just try it out. So the thought behind Squidoo was, what if you could put, you know, a, a minute or an hour of effort into something and it would earn money and give it automatically to charity in your name so that it wasn't taking money out of your pocket, it was taking money out of your effort. And that um, if I could get a million people to do this and those pages could earn, yeah, I don't know, a dollar a week, that means we could give $50 million a year to charity. 
that would be really cool. So I sat down with these people who I really adore, and I said, if we built this company, would you want to do it? And they all said yes. And so that's my thrill, my pleasure, is that I get to work uh, with five people who I really like, and re- who, every one of whom is smarter than me. And we are building this company um, that's profitable, um, that was self-funded, that uh, grows every day, that earns money for charity, not as much as we want, but it's growing. And along the way, it's helping people find the stuff they're looking for on the Internet. Yeah, and, and the more, I mean, I, I first, honestly, I first came across it because um, I was into all the search engine optimization, and it was, I, I know you had a little bit of issues with spam or people exploiting the fact that it was ranking so well in the search engines. Um, can you talk about combating, like, kind of planning for that in the future? What would you do different? in that regard or yeah well there's a great line in animal house and i'll censor it for some easily offended viewers in which john belushi turns to the guy in the fraternity and said you screwed up you trusted me and that's what we did so the pages you know which let you add text and pictures and amazon links and everything else also used to let you add iframes because we felt like <laughs> advanced users could use iframes in a way that would make them really cool what we didn't count on was the fact that spammers could easily use iframes uh, to do misdirects and to uh, create pages that would be uh, a front for uh, spammers. So the way they used it was they would build a Squidoo page, uh, put an iframe in it that automatically redirected somebody to their page. Then they would send a spam to 10 million people by email saying, please visit us at this Squidoo page. People would anyone who clicks on a link in spam isn't particularly bright, but people would click on the link and instead of taking them to a Skidoo page, it would take them to some porn site. And, you know, it took us about three weeks to figure out what was going on, uh, realize the impact, because, you know, spammers don't really send you an announcement that they're going to do this. Uh, And as soon as we figured out what it was, 24 hours later, we turned off iframes and the problem went away because it didn't work anymore. That was a year and a half, almost two years ago. um, And it took us about six months to recover the traffic we lost because the search engines quite correctly said, you know what, we can't send people to the site anymore. Um, but we earned back that trust. Uh, now we are getting 22 million page views a month, and none of it is from spam. Awesome. Well, I think, I think Squidoo is a great story and, and a really, really good site. So for those out there, if you haven't used it, you haven't you know, looked into it, definitely look into it. Um, it's very, very cool, and it, and it is. It's, it has excellent search engine ranking. So if you want to write about a topic, and it, and like Seth said, you can earn money for charity as well. Or um, I believe it's fifty percent of the revenue goes to you or your charity. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. So so, so far we've excellent. built a school uh, in Cambodia. Uh, we funded juvenile diabetes research. Uh, we have uh, invested in a bed net factory in Tanzania. Uh, some pretty cool projects. Now, do you? Talking about all these foreign places, I mean, do you travel quite a bit to a lot of remote places like this? I don't travel at all to remote places. Uh, One of the amazing opportunities in my life is that people invite me to go places to give speeches. And, you know, my friend Tom Peters does over 100 a year. Uh, In a typical week, he might go to um, Johannesburg and Taiwan with a stop in L.A. for three speeches. And I had to make the decision about whether I wanted to do that or not. And my choice is that I do them if they're local. Every once in a while, I'll go as far as California. Um, but for the time being, no, I don't uh, travel the world looking at cool places. I sort of do it vicariously. Okay, yeah, my wife is a, quite the world traveler. She actually volunteered in uh, Nigeria for a year 
practicing medicine, you know, sleeping in a, in a mosquito tent in, in Africa, and I can't even imagine doing that. But, you know, it's just, I guess some people love to do it, and I don't know. I kind of like where I'm at. <laughs> um, okay, great. Well, we're going to go ahead and go to a commercial break, so we'll see everybody back in about two minutes. Go behind the scenes of the Shoe Money Show with their Facebook fan page. Search for Shoe Money Show Podcast on Facebook now. Time to cash some more checks. Shoe Money will be back in a flash with the cash. Does your website need a bailout? Looking for a conversion rate stimulus package? Do you need a website improvement to-do list? On Target, a subscription service from Future Now and Brian Eisenberg monitors your website 24-7, analyzing the actions of every potential customer. It gives you a to-do list. It tells you exactly what to fix and how to fix it so that more of your visitors do what you need them to do. On Target pricing starts at $1,000 a month. See more at futurenowinc.com slash on target. I'm Brian Eisenberg, and I approve this message. Here's your bill. Thank you so much, guys. Hey, it's all right. I'll take care of the tab, Jason. Well, thanks, Dave. How are you doing so well these days? It seems everyone's in a pinch for cash. RevenueWire.com, that's how. RevenueWire? Yeah, RevenueWire.com is an all-in-one platform offering affiliates high-demand software from top-notch PC utility merchants. With 75% commissions, twice-monthly payouts, incredibly accurate analytics tools, RevenueWire is making me more money today than I did in the last few years put together. Even in this economy? Especially in this economy. RevenueWire has a ton of great products to meet the demand. I'm telling you, this network is recession-proof. RevenueWire, the recession-proof network platform. For more information, visit RevenueWire.com today. That's RevenueWire.com. Hey, what's that sound coming from your computer? That's the sound of me making money with ReferBack.com. They've shown me how to... ReferBack.com showed me how to turn clicks on my existing site into cash. ReferBack gives you free banners, mailers, even your own personal account manager. Oh, can they help me make money off my blog, too? Absolutely. Your websites, your blogs, they can all be making you money. You can even earn 50% commission on your first month. Put some into your website. Just visit ReferBack.com. It's time to start jamming and spamming again with the princes of PageRank, the heroes of HTML, the sultans of surf, SEO rock stars, Tuesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. The Shoe Money Show is now on iTunes. Write us a review and tell us how much you love us. Damn, player. Here's more of the Shoe Money Show on WebmasterRadio.fm. All right, you. Man with the cash. No funny, funny stuff. Now, join your host, Shoe Money. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. You're listening to the Shoe Money Show. I'm Jeremy Shoemaker, also known as Shoe Money. And with me today is Seth Godin. So I'd like to talk to about a subject that I've, I've really been dying to kind of hear your opinion on. And it's, um, I don't know if you've, if you've heard recently, the, the FTC has laid down a bunch of new uh, rules specifically towards testimonials and, you know, people need to start posting typical results and, and be very clear about it and not, you know, like the, the subway story of Jared who ate a sandwich every day and that's how he lost all this weight. They need to actually say, you know, he, he really lost the weight, you know, I by walking, you know, miles back and forth. Now, a lot of, in, in, in affiliate marketing, um, you see these blogs now that are basically testimonials about weight loss and grants and how I got this grant and I made all this money with Google Cash or all these little scam things. And I guess, and now the government is coming in and, and regulating and making examples of these things. And the question I had for you is at what point 
in, in marketing do you feel we need government intervention? Well, here's, here's the story that I, that I hope uh, your listeners will really appreciate. The Direct Marketing Association, which is the granddaddy, 100-year-old or whatever organization of direct marketers, fought tooth and nail against the Do Not Call Registry. They did everything they could to keep Congress from passing a law saying that you had the right to opt out of telemarketers calling you during dinner. And I got into huge fights with them. And I was right and they were wrong. I said, look, this is the best thing that could ever happen to you. Because why do you want to make it easy for the bad guys? Why do you want to make it so that you have to spend money calling people who don't want to hear from you? You should be pushing for this legislation because it does two things. It decreases the cost of reaching people who want to be reached because you don't have to call the wrong people. And number two is, I said, the people who are the evildoers, the ones who are giving you a bad name, this lets the government go after them. So if you're an online marketer, if you're an affiliate marketer, stuff like this is great news. And the reason it's great news is because there's always going to be someone scammier than you. There's always going to be someone with less morals than you. There's always going to be someone willing to lie more than you are. And you don't want to have a race to the bottom. The race to the bottom, you will lose. Because if you're spending the time to listen to me anyway, my guess is that you're not racing to the bottom because I'm not going to help you do that. The win is when you race to the top. And the people who make the most money are the ones at the top, the ones who make the most return on investment, the ones who work the least to make every dollar, are the ones who are seen at the top. And so when the FTC comes along and punishes people who are racing to the bottom, you should cheer them on. You should send your congressman a donation and ask her to do that again. Because what we need is really clear rules about what spam looks like, really clear rules about what a scam is, really clear rules about um, telling the truth. Because unfortunately, as we learned with the iframe story at Squidoo, you can't trust people to do the right thing when there's money involved. And that's a shame, and I wish we could trust people to do the right thing. You know, in Ayn Rand's world, uh, there are no anonymous people, and everyone's incentive appears to be doing work that they're proud of. And I wish we lived in that kind of world, because if we did, we wouldn't need a government at all. But the reason we have government is because people who want to take a shortcut and people who want to anonymously scam the world need an authority that will tell them to stop. Okay, so there's no... I mean, so, so basically you think that we should have government intervention as much as possible. Well, I wouldn't say as much as possible, but I have for 10 years been saying that the web should not be anonymous. shouldn't be allowed to have a website, shouldn't be allowed to have an email address unless you are public. Same way the real world works. can't walk into a bank with a clown mask on and try to open <laughs> an account. You have to say who you really are. Well, if we knew who everyone really was, 98% of the scams would go away. Because if you think about it, the scams that you encounter are always anonymous people selling you anonymous products from an anonymous address. If we then had accountability, if people had to stand behind what they said, then regulation wouldn't be particularly difficult. And we'd have a system in place where, uh, you know, I think spamming people is the same as shoplifting. Shoplifting is something where just a few people can increase the price of goods for everyone. Because, you know, the shoplifter says, well, it only took a couple things, but it all adds up. Spam is exactly the same thing. Scams are the same thing. You and I would have a much easier time marketing stuff, Jeremy, if other people, the, the low lives, weren't lying and cheating all the time. But we have to spend half our time overcoming 
people's inclination that everyone who sells something is a liar and a cheater. Yeah, and you know, I I think one thing that I've, I've been thinking about a lot lately was is that actually, you know, internet advertising and internet marketing seems to be under more regulation, especially lately, than TV and newspaper. Well, that's because you, you can't comment on you that. Can't, I mean, you I can't run a newspaper ad or a TV uh, ad, and obviously in the mobile industry with ringtones and stuff like that, you watch MTV and you see. You know, the, every song that comes on, it says, text this, you know, if you want this ringtone on your phone, text this number. But it doesn't tell you it's going to charge you 20 bucks a month for the rest of your life. Whereas on the Internet, I mean, there is clear and concisely you have to have the text within, you know, I mean, it, it, just, it just seems that the Internet's being much more regulated in advertising than um, TV and newspapers. And I just wonder if you had a take on why or, or what you think the future of that is. Well, you know, the problem is, you can build a website for $19, and you can send spam for zero. So it's, you're much more likely to have bad actors online than you are on television. And someone who buys a TV ad, we know their name and address in their bank account. So the FTC has an easier time regulating those people because they know who they are and they know where to find them and because they have more money. And so I think it's overdue. I think there's no question the FTC is going to overdo it. They always do. Um, and shame on us for not shunning uh, and criticizing these bad actors more than we did. You know, I get a lot of flack because I'm unapologetic in calling people like this out. But unfortunately, there are too many people who aren't. There are too many people who say, well, it's legal, so go ahead. Well, if you're going to say that, then you better be prepared for someone to make it illegal. Yeah, I've taken both sides of that fence. I, I mean, I've really, I've called out, um, you know, when I've when I've seen websites and I've taken a ton of flack for outing, you know, sites like that. And then at the same time, um, I, I've taken sometimes I've taken some the side of it where, you know, it's I, I've kind of taken the attitude where it's being done at all these other places. So why isn't you know just playing devil's advocate? But but I think you make some excellent excellent points. And for those out there listening, I think uh, it might change their tune on on the way they look at things. Jumping on to. Um, some of the other things we had, we had a. I opened it up to questions on my blog, and I had some some pretty interesting ones, and some and people who weren't familiar with you. Um, it, this one question came in and said, "Why would anyone actually want to create a purple cow, and what are the benefits to the consumer?" Okay, so what's a purple cow? A purple cow is something remarkable, something worth talking about. And my argument is that. We all grew up, without realizing it, in a world where there was one simple rule to get rich, which was buy ads. If you bought $100 worth of ads, if you weren't an idiot, you would make $200 in profit. And you could do that over and over and over again. And that's, I mean, think about it. When there were three or five TV channels, and we were busy buying trouble with Pop-O-Matic and Shoots and Ladders and... We were busy going to whatever movie was advertised and driving whatever car was advertised. It worked. It worked for 50 years. This model, average stuff for average people, advertised like crazy. And it doesn't work anymore. It doesn't work for a whole bunch of reasons. There are too many ads. There's too much clutter. There are too many choices. There's too much spam. People aren't listening, on and on and on. But what does work is when person A tells person B, what does work is Jeremy starts a blog, and it has 10 readers. Then it has 100. Then it has 1,000. Then it has 10,000. How did that happen? Well, it didn't happen because he bought TV ads. 
He, you know, Jeremy didn't buy any TV ads for his blog. What happened was, one buddy, somebody told somebody else who told somebody else who told somebody else who blogged it, and the blog readers there then went and visited it, and they blogged it, and they told someone else, and the next thing you know, you got 10,000 or 100,000 readers. That's how you build a business today. That's how JetBlue built its business. That's how Apple built its business. That's how Nike built its business. I mean, you can look at the fact that they run ads, but the ads aren't the core of what they did. The core of what they did, Amazon, Starbucks, is they built something people wanted to talk about. That's what a purple cow is. And the reason it benefits the consumer is we have everything we need. You know, we don't live in Nigeria sleeping under a mosquito bed net. People who are listening to this have everything they need. All that's left is stuff we want, right? That if you have a place to sleep and food and maybe a modicum of health care, you have everything you need. What we want is to feel good, to feel connected, to be part of a tribe, to uh, be satisfied, to have people envy us. We care about those things. We want those things. Well, guess what? Purple cows give us those things because they are the remarkable stuff that makes us feel good. And so if you are selling something, and I don't even care if it's to a business or a consumer or you're running for president, the way you win is by telling a story, a story that's true, a story that's true about what this thing is and how it works and why you want it, that's remarkable, that people want to talk about. And that has become, uh, lucky for me, an accurate description of the world we live in. I first wrote it down about uh, six years ago. Yeah, The Purple Cow is a fascinating book, and it really taught me a lot um, specifically about in, in building you know, companies and stuff like that. It, it, kind of like what I've, it, it kind of goes along also with what I've been talking, which a, a lot of your books have really helped me understand, which I think I wrote you about why what I'm doing works and, and, and stuff like that. And I think it's, it's fascinating about building something. People get so lost in my world. Um, in my corner of the world, and people who read my blog are more search engine marketers. And they think that if you don't rank in Google, that's the only way you can make money, is to rank well in Google. And I constantly tell them all the time, like, listen, you should pretend that Google doesn't exist, that you you don't care about getting traffic from Google, do the basics of SEO, but try to build something that's remarkable that will spread on its own. And a lot of that, you know, comes right out of the purple cow. Here's the problem with ranking in Google. The typical Google search now returns 500,000 matches. If you're saying the only way your business is going to work is for you to be one, two, or three out of 500,000, those are really lousy odds. What I want you to be able to do is build a business that when someone types in a word that you made up, like shoe money, then you're number one. That's what you want. You want a remarkable product with a unique word that you have to be number one for because you own the word, right? So you can go to Google and type in purple cow or idea virus or tribes or Seth, and I will be number one for all of those things because I invented those things. It's not like I will win if you type in book or if you type in uh, marketer or marketing advice. I can't be number one for those things. Those are lousy odds. I can't make a living doing that. What Google does when you use it the right way, is it acts like a combination of the yellow pages and the white pages. And what you want is someone to type in the name of what you do that you own. And why did they type it in? They typed it in because someone told them to. 
And that's how you win. Because if, if they came because someone told them to, you're not going to convert 0.1% or 1% of the people who come. You're going to convert half of them because that's why they came, to be converted. Yeah, for, and for those listening out there, I think that is a huge, huge takeaway for you. You know, and I think that um, I, I'm always looking at my stats, and I love it when shoe money is like five times more the highest search for phrase that people find my blog because of what you just said. I mean, people, they tell their friends about it or whatever. I mean, like, that's my brand. I've built it. I've copyrighted it. I've trademarked it, whatever. And I love that people, they don't find me because they're looking for, well, they do find me because they're looking for how to make money online because I rank really well for that too. But, you know, but I mean, I love it that they look, they find me, you know, five times more by searching for my brand than they do that. So, you know, what are you up to now? Um, what's, what's your next big thing? Well, in November, I announced that I was going to start a business school, and um, it's free, and it lasts six months, and there's nothing in it for me other than the pleasure of doing it. Uh, I've been a critic of the NBA for a really long time, and I decided to put my money where my mouth is. So 43,000 people uh, looked at the application, and 350 people applied, and uh, nine pe- 27 people came to New York for the final interview. They interviewed each other. I let them figure out who should make the program by having them pick who they'd like to come with. And we ended up with nine people who moved to New York, who sit in my office every day. Um, And it's a thrill for me to be able to work closely with a bunch of really amazing people, um, giving them a head start for the next part of what they're going to do. So that's what takes most of my time these days. Uh, I'm working on a new book, but I'm not supposed to talk about it. It'll be out in a year or so. Um, and uh, in my spare time, I try to make Squidoo work even better. Well, I want to thank you so much for coming on here and talking. Uh, Your books, I mean, from The Dip, which really taught me with a a company I started called Auction Ads, I was really, really struggling in deciding to sell the company or continue to run it and try to manage it, and it really taught me that it was time to to move on to other areas because we just didn't have the resources to keep going it and really build it out. I mean, I could, I could go on and on with each one of your books and how they've greatly affected me. For all those people out there listening, if you don't own every one of Seth's books, you need to. Um, you know, tribes will help you. I mean, people out there, they want to follow you. They just, they're natural instincts. Seth could probably explain it better than me. But, I mean, it's a fascinating book about, about leadership and management and how to run, you know, the people that do follow you. Um, the Purple Cow we talked about helps you build a – stop, you know, trying to be regular and build something remarkable that people will, you know, will want to talk about and spread to their friends and stuff like that. And, and we have Meatball Sunday, and the list goes on and on and on. So I highly, highly recommend everyone out there who's listening, go out there, pick up all Seth's books. They're, they're very, very reasonably priced, and I'm sure they'll make a huge impact on your business or just, just regular life like they have on mine. So thank you, Seth, so much for not only writing the books, for coming on here today, and also for, you know, just, just being who you are. Well, thank you so much, and thanks for everything you're doing. It's, it's much appreciated. All right. Thanks again, Seth. All right. Ciao. See ya.